me. From Studio P, Sausalito, home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. The number one comedy podcast about comedy... Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast commentator, Mark Hershon. Ah, uh, welcome to Suckatash, episode three. And that theme is awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I've been trying for a long time to get uh, Scott Carvey, our music director, to actually come to the studio, but he lives uh, across the country from where we are. And so today, I'm happy to say at least we were able to get Scott's brother in with right. us. Right. When people say we sounded like, so let's see if it works, Suckatash Podcast. That's like Dead Ringer. That's like a dead ringer. Dead ringer. Hmm. I like that. That should be a name of something. Uh, so our very first guest we've ever had on Succotash, uh, Dana Carvey, is in the studio. And hopefully not your last guest, bah. if I have anything to say about well, it, ladies and gentlemen. The network could yank our plug at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Sigur, Sigur, wouldn't divide a among you. I'm still at the point where I'm enjoying just hearing my voice in my can. See, I know the lingo. <laughs> or shall we call them headphones? But I, I'm enjoying just talking and hearing them in my cans. This is really really professional. I know, isn't this this is Because people do podcasts with like a little $19, you know, recorder from Radio Shack. Yeah, you know, I think one of my chief uh problems I have with the podcasts that we play on here, a lot of them are really just poor quality. Uh little on what people talk about. They can talk about whatever they want and whether I find it funny or not isn't important, but the quality is just it's kind of, sometimes it's inexcusable. It's an audio medium and you'd figure I got to make this sound as the best it can be. Uh, anyway, I want to uh, officially welcome you to the show. Thank you for being here. I also want to thank uh, our producer extraordinaire, Joe Polino. Uh, there he is, waving well, to us. A lot of times when I, I do these corporate dates, they introduce me, and then the CEO does like, it's it's literally the Star Trek episode where it's like, you know, <laughs> Sempton for the Medal of Achievement. And then, okay, I think we understand Captain Kirk's Bronze Palm like, Award yeah, right. of Matt Valor for uh, yeah. the incident on Arcor 6. <laughs> Exactly. The Glingian rose to, you know. 20 quatloos for the newcomer. Yes. So it's funny with me where they'll, they'll somehow they'll get a bio and I'm going about to do stand up for a corporation. It's like the most obscure things I've ever done. And Racing with the Moon, he co starred. I was cut from the movie in 1982, you know. So anyway, um, we'll just, if I say Emmy Award winning. Yeah, people, <laughs> hey, people have. What? It happened. It wasn't my fault. People have Google, they can look you up. They can wake at me. Anyway, so uh, thank you for being here. We're going to uh, play some podcasts as we usually do. Now, normally I at the top, first of all, I normally forget to tell what I'm going to be playing. Right. And then I go ahead and I tell. But this week, I'm not going to tell because yes. I don't know how the show's going to shake out. So rather than promise we're going to play somebody and can't get to it, we'll just play it as it lies. Sweet. But this very first podcast we're going to play <laughs> is actually from a friend of you and, and mine. And his name is? Mark Pitta. Mark Pitta. Yes. Wow, Pitta, Pitta. Coming. Pitta, yes. Pitta making a move. I didn't get the memo. Uh, oh, yeah. So he was in New York uh, two weeks ago and uh -huh. had a chance to interview Jimmy Fallon. Interesting. In the green room wow. there. So uh, let's give a little t uh, taste of Mark Pitta's uh, After Hours with Mark Pitta. I have to stay. This is exciting. These questions I thought of, and I want to ask you. The uh, first one is the hashtag game, my mm. favorite game. On the average, how many, how many people participate in that? when you when you do the game it depends what the subject it is if it's like you know if it's like um, my mom is nuts you know if that's the hashtag uh, you know we we get you know probably a few thousand 
but if it's, if it's something like hashtag, oh, hell no. It's like millions of people. <laughs> like, it is absolutely crazy. It's trending. It's like, we, we've, we've been the number one trending topic, like, I want to say five times with hashtags. It's crazy, like worldwide. Like, yeah. over, like people, people in, you know, Germany sending us. Uh, so you have, the staff reads as many as they can. Do you read yeah. any? Yeah, I read them as much as I can. Yeah. Then, I, you know, I, I get my limousine and go to the <laughs> caviar store. And uh, get some bellinis and stuff like that, and just get ready for you know the next day of work. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I've, I've played the game, but I, uh, I my name yes. is the thing, and I'm like, I'll, I may not use me because he knows me. So I, uh, you've made it to these first round. Like we, we do like a dress rehearsal thing, like with the, with a the tour from the NBC store. Like there's usually like people are on tour or people just in the NBC store. And say, hey, do you guys want to hear any monologue rehearsal for Jimmy Fallon? So then we bring like 30 people up. And they come up. It's like a thing no one really knows about unless you're shopping at the NBC Experience store. But So they come up, and, uh, yeah, I've read some of your uh, Which hashtags. Which one had made it? The one I thought almost made it was um, um, the one you're not proud of or Don't Judge Me. Don't Judge Me. And I said, I turn on you. I play clips of you porn really loud so my neighbors think I'm getting some. <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was a good dialogue, like that one. Yeah, yeah. I've almost made the cutting right I think that might have been the one we, we read. <sighs> Yeah, I thought that was it. Not a big you porn crowd. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, the, the NBC outside. store. Yeah, fifteen year old kids. Like, well, now that I know. Yeah, now you know who's, yeah. who's judging the jokes. Yeah, but next time, but anytime I see anything with Mark Pitta's name on it, I always well, I throw it in the mix. Come on. Well, there we go, Mark Pitta, uh, along with Jimmy Fallon, and uh, did I mention my name at the? T- oh, you mentioned my name, Jim. Mark Kershaw and Dana Carvey here. You're listening to Suckatash Podcast. That's it's- right. It's 11.19 in the city and 11.28 in Sausalito. Sorry. <laughs> I used to do that bit about um, Jack Hines, KFRC. It's 10.28 in the city, 10 10.31 on the Dane Rock. <laughs> oh, uh, all hey, right. hey, let me ask I you this just because it just happened to us when we were leaving mm-hmm. breakfast. Somebody ran out and stopped my car mm-hmm. and stuck their head in my right. window and said, are, are you Dana Carvey? Yes. Not to me, but to you. Yeah. And how did, I mean, what is that, what is the reality of that question coming at you? Because that's not, a, I never, nobody says, are you Mark Hirsch on the name? <laughs> yeah. That's why you're in bed with your wife. Or are you really? <laughs> well, no, that does, that question actually does come Well, up. I used to say, which I got from Scott, who did your theme song, which is true. He said, I, I, I would say to them, uh, I can't answer that without my attorney present. <laughs> which sometimes I refer to you if we were hanging out as mm-hmm. my attorney because it's always weird to go, if someone says, are you Dana Carvey? It's a little bit like, well, as a matter of fact, I am. <laughs> you look at the real deal. I had a woman at a grocery store come up to me, tap me on the shoulder and said, am I looking at Dana Ghani? Am I lo-? No one ever gets my name right. Dana Ghani, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I, I think if I walked around as Garth, the church said I'd get mobbed, but I, I'm kind of a... I guess a chameleon. <laughs> That's you a good know? way to put it. I, well, they can't see on a podcast, but literally, if I have a hat on, now watch you could, you know, and then watch if I change my jaw. Charlie Sheen, or just not me. No, that's Charlie Sheen. I'll go like this through an airport if I just change <laughs> this. I... Uh, Jeff Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> it's breathtaking. You are a chameleon. Yeah. It's, ast- it's astounding. But I feel very lucky with a baseball cap, a little bit of growth. I can change my face and walk amongst us. What our listening audience is not getting is, is Dana only using the lower half of his face. Yes. Is imitating celebrities the world over. <laughs> right, because I have a hat on. Let's just paint a picture. Sure. I, have, I have a hat. I have sunglasses. So the only way they might tag me is just on based on my jaw. <laughs> so if I, if I move that around a little bit, you know, I mean, yeah. so... So 
I have a comfortable level of, of notoriety. Yeah. I had, I had a wet dream about just a pair of pants. No one was wearing them. And um, it was just a pair of pants. And it, that was so weird. They were black, actually. Huh. And Those so that was one. one hell of a I, pair of pants. Yeah, I guess so. And, I mean, but it wasn't, that's my, my point is that it wasn't sexually it wasn't charged. Sexualized, right. And then um, I had this other dream about a, a pink Corvette. Kind of like the one Barbie drives, but no one was driving it. Right, and um, that was one. And then um, I had another one that was these this kind of amazing. dolls, like these sort of Raggedy Ann looking type dolls. You know those kind of dolls with yarn hair. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And um, they're not; they don't looking. look anything close to like they don't look anatomically correct at all. They're very sort of doll like, you know, right. like fabric grandmother looking, made you know? them. Yeah, and I, I just there was like a bunch of dolls, and I, I had a wet dream about that. Huh. And then um, you have a weird. Yeah. Ab- your body has a weird ability to sexualize objects. It wasn't sexualizing it though. Is the thing. I think it just was like. I think this is what it was. I think that my body just needed to release okay. something, and um, it wasn't really coinciding with what I was dreaming yeah. about. <laughs> and I think it just happened to be like my body happened to just ejaculate while I was. Ha- I just coincidentally happened to be dreaming about a, a black pair of pants. I, I'm picturing then, that part of your body going, all right, forget it. He's not going to have a tit dream. Let's just yeah, go yeah, on the exactly, Corvette. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're yeah. tired of waiting. That's like, yeah, sure, yeah. It's like, God, this guy's so ex- asexual. We just better do it. When he's, this yeah. is the best we get. Uh, yeah, a pink Corvette. All right, that's close enough to Barbie. That's closest. That's something. There's yeah. something there. Let's do it. Yeah. We'll pretend there's a vagina in those pants. Yeah. It's I get like the, the weird new one. sperm being told from the older sperm. No, it's really weird up here. You just got to trust us. Yeah. I get the weird ones where uh we're like i'm doing something like i'm have i have a task or a chore Mm -hmm. and it has nothing to do with sexuality at all like i'm i'm either piloting a plane or i'm teaching a class or i'm doing something right and then at the very very end of the dream someone just runs in and goes and then i wake up and i'm like ah like my brain just goes okay well we know we're supposed to have one of these but this you're not letting it happen right there's nobody in the dream that's going to be sexy so why don't we just quickly somebody just jerk this guy off in the dream and then i'm like ah so I uh, uh, I dis- very much dislike wet dreams. Agree or disagree? I agree. I do not like them. Um, because they're so inconvenient, right? Now, I don't know if you, you have this big of a problem, but if I'm on a long flight, I will stuff my underwear with napkins and stuff. This can't in be case true. I fall, in case I fall asleep and have a wet dream on a plane. I'm pretending this is not true. I mean, I mean... I want it to be very funny, though. One time, I what was, if you did have a wet dream on a plane? Though I've had that fear. What if you're at a friend's I, house? I, I've, I've woken up like I've thought, oh shoot, I'm about to have a wet dream, or so, or I've thought, oh, it's headed in that direction. I've woken up on a plane like, okay, wake <laughs> up. I don't you know, like it's like Freddie. It's like Nightmare on Elm Street. It's like Nightmare on Elm Street, but it's like it's come though <laughs> but instead, <calm>. you know, <laughs> and real. <laughs> yeah, I'm Sweat. afraid like, that Brett has been uh, Brent has been fucking with us, and now has sort of like made Derek reveal dark secrets about no, himself. No. Okay, I, here's the one. Wet mare. This is the the most. Inconvenient time that I had a wet dream was um, I used to work as a substitute teacher in, <laughs> in, in inner city schools, and um, I took a nap during one of the, it was a free period that I had, and uh, and I took a nap and I it, I was ejaculating while and I was waking up like oh no you know just like it was happening right it was in my car I took the nap in my car and. Um, fortunately, I had lunch after that period, so I had some time, but I was like, I was wearing khaki pants, okay? And um, I was like, what am I going to do? I've got to, like, teach another half of the day, you know? And so um, I went to this store, uh, this, uh, near, uh, a supermarket nearby, went in and used the bathroom there, tried to wipe up. <laughs> and um, But there definitely was, like, semen stains on my 
they don't my, like my that khaki at, pants at school. You know? Yeah, and so. Um, so I, but I fortunately did have a jacket with me that was l- like a longer jacket and I, it covered it up. So, but, so but the weird thing was that I was teaching these kids, I mean, they were high school students, but I was teaching these kids and little did they know, but there was semen like right there <laughs> right in the pl- classroom, you know, live For semen. all the world to see. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's a show called Delicious Mediocrity. Um, from, uh, I think it's from the Northwest originally. That was actually recorded live at the Bridgetown Comedy Festival in Portland last month. Uh, the hosts are Derek Sheen and Douglas Gale. Their guest comedian was Brian Weinbach, uh, talking about the uh, tasteful subject of wet dreams. And uh, you can hear them at deliciousmediocrity.com. I'll let you work out the spelling for yourself. I'm sorry, Kenny. I can't spell all of them for everybody. Deliciousmediocrity.com. We talked about uh, a couple of different things that make me laugh that you do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're comfortable to jump into I'll into do something. anything. Um, Wind me up. But uh, one of the things we talked about was, because uh, um, you were doing this when, when George Bush Jr. was in office. And, sure. And now yeah. that he's no longer in office, I think it's still a funny, relevant bit uh, about him and his father talking on the phone and just about the minutia of of life. Yeah, really. well, I, I've done a lot of them. We started with the idea that, that they're just friends. First of all, I know George Bush Sr., and they are very tight. And they probably do talk on the phone as they watch late night talk shows. Yeah. Hey, Daddy, you watching Jimmy Fallon? <laughs> He's having a good show tonight. He had some good set pieces. Well, I'm over, over there on Kimmel, you know, goes to a younger demographic. Yeah, but I like my Fallon. <laughs> Conan's good, too. He's out there in TBS. Don't know how to find it. What channel is it? Where do you go to find Conan? So it's basically this for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> my latest one is just George W. calls his dad and tries to get some solace over the fact that Barack Obama will get all the oh, credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that's my latest. And I just riff it. I don't write it down. It's just like, well, Daddy, I, I got some of the credit, right? Well, not really. Happened on his watch. History won't record it that way. Lion's share going to President Obama, fair or not. But, Daddy, I, I laid down the apparatus. <laughs> I had Navy SEALs. <laughs> I had CIA all in, in place. I'm fucked. <laughs> Sorry. Can you say that in a podcast? Yes, you can. I know. I'm you kidding. Can say hey, you kids. Ah. That's just any celebrity swearing or doing sexual things is always the, you know, that's the greatest. Yeah. I used to do Ross Perot sodomizing George Bush Sr. <laughs> drop, drop your trousers. Say hello to Texas. <laughs> and I don't really like blue, blue, uh-huh. but say hello to Texas was just, <laughs> sure. that just said it all to me. Absolutely. And I did a movie with John Cusack called Road to Wellville. And right. ten times a day, he would come up and do, do the Ross Perot. <laughs> Drop your trousers. Sail out of Texas. I mean, he could never ever get tired of that. So anyway, coming up next, we've got the Long Shot Podcast. This features four comics: Eddie Pepitone, Sean Conroy, Jamie Flam, and Amber Kenny. Uh, and they uh, they discuss their struggles through the general terrors of everyday life. And in this episode, it's all about res- revenge. They're joined by their guest Rob Hubel. Um, but um, so I was I was trying to get some sun, and I was I was I was laying out, lying out, whatever it is, on a towel. And um, all of a sudden, I sat up because it was a little hot. And um, 
And these guys had gone up to the top of the building and they'd filled a garbage bag, with a hefty bag with water and they let it go. And right as I sat up, it, it was a direct hit. That's, it hit, me, a direct it hit? hit me so hard that's from like, dangerous. from Were like they, six stories why? up. I mean, it was very like 50, 50 pounds of water. Were they or targeting you or was yeah, it yeah, a yeah. coincidence? Yeah, no, oh it was friends God. of mine. It was friends of mine. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so they <laughs> thought like, this will be fun. And so it <laughs> fucking. paralyzed Rob. This yeah. will be great. I mean, it really destroyed me. Like it was like, I mean, I was like, it was How really it painful. Destroy? It was painful. Yeah. It was like, it's like getting hit with neck bricks. Well, yeah. Right on my destroy back. You? Like, did you, were you actually destroyed? <laughs> I exploded. And then reconstituted yes, yourself? I, I burst into flames. Um, but anyway, so I, you know, I was really mad. Um, but luckily I was the RA so I could, um, I could, I did a little bit of detective work and I figured out, I knew exactly who it was and I, um, thank you for the pink Panther music. So I figured out who it was and I waited until, uh, until it was cold until the dish was cold. Yeah. yeah, I waited a little bit, (laughs) a couple hours. Yeah. And then I waited a few days and these guys were off. These guys were off and they were taking a test one day and I went and I got a key to their room. And um, I went downtown to the barber shop in Clemson, and I got all of the hair from that day. I went in and I was like, "Hi, um, can I get all the hair that you guys are throwing away?" And they had three Your college kids are so crazy. Yeah, they had three huge garbage bags of hair, and so and they just said, "Sure." They, they didn't question for, yeah, it. T- very irresponsible barber <laughs> shop. This was before nine eleven. This was way yeah, this was before nine eleven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it ahead. Take it ahead. Take all the hair you want. You fucking not. He's so like I, your type of RA. Ah, take it ahead. So I took nowadays. They I took three garbage bags of hair and, and went into these guys' room when they weren't there. And you know when you're in college, you loft your beds, you build your beds up. So I put like a solid eight inches of hair all in oh. their bed, both of their beds and on their pillows and all in their pillows and everything. And um, and I remember because I, I almost threw up when I was doing it. Um, there was a oh. there was a ponytail. Someone had cut off oh their ponytail. It was a long ponytail. That, and when I picked it up, I, I started to dry heave. I was like. Oh. <laughs> it was so good. So I put a that like, yeah. So so anyway, I put the ponytail on the pillow and um. And to they me, all, it's funny that a ponytail makes you vomit. Well, it was just. You know, it was just it was well, you so, had it down his throat. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, I was blowing. I was blowing the ponytail. Let me oh. see what this feels like. See, I missed that part of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I left that part out. Were there um, any dreadlocks in the mix? No, no that dreadlocks. Um, but so I turned on, they had a little bedside, one of the guys had a little bedside fan. I turned on his fan, so hair started like blowing around <laughs> softly. And um, so I just waited, and, and then I, I went home, or I went back to my room, and then like, they didn't even notice all day long. I guess they were just doing their work on their computers or whatever. And then at night when they in went their to- In their room? Yeah. College kids are just oblivious. Oblivious. And then when, at <laughs> night when they went to get in their bed, my phone rang around like, you know, one o'clock in the morning. And I, I remember it was just like, no- and this is the only noise I heard. You're fucking dead. <laughs> and it just started an all out war Ooh. between us. Like we had, and they were friends of mine, but like it got serious. Like it became what like, did it escalate to Did it make you paranoid all the time. Yeah. I mean, it became, you know, like Cato like, and uh, you, it's funny. You did the Peter Sellers thing. Yeah. Well, it was like, Kato, Kato, you, my little yellow friend. <laughs> it was like, um, you know, guys shitting in cups and <gasps> hiding, hiding a cup oh, of shit, you know, in, in, in your room. Um, all sorts of really terrible things. It smells things bad like in that. here and there's hair everywhere. By yeah. the way, that probably is the best reason not to take revenge on someone is there's always then That's why murder is the best revenge. <laughs> murder is the best revenge because no, they can't. But then the next generation comes True. You have to kill the children. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny you asked about language in podcasts and again, listening to a lot of these things, some of it seems incredibly 
uh, gratuitous. Like, hey, we can swear. We can swear our ass off. It doesn't matter. And I think it's, you've talked about this before when we've talked about comedy. I think it's an, uh, a replacement for edge. People, mm-hmm. comics talk about, hey, I'm, I'm edgy now. Watch my set. And it's because they say fuck all the time. It's not because there's no edge to it. No, there's no real edge. And I always said, you know, besides, you know, rape, incest, racism, that uh, in a comedy club, there was this Australian comic who was auditioning for The Tonight Show. And he's like, before the show, he had a little bit of an attitude. He's like, oh, I'm, I got an edge. I'm not afraid to say cunt. I'll say whatever I want on stage. <laughs> You know, and you know me because I'm always trying to find the let the air out of. I go, would this is 2006? I go, would you go up and do a bit defending Dick Cheney? He goes, well, I couldn't do that. I get booed right off the stage. (laughs) (laughs) But you're edgy, right? (laughs) Interesting. But you're right. I mean, it's like I've had so many people, you know, Gene Gray, a lot of people like really, uh, you know, I'll go after Bush. Junior, really brave. Yeah. That's just really brave. Like, Bush is an idiot. I, I, and I don't care if I get killed just for saying this. <laughs> I'm not afraid. Dick Cheney's a dick. <laughs> but, yeah, edge is a whole other other sop- t- topic. I could tell you where the edge, edges are that are clean, you know? Yeah. Um, but we could get into that on, my, on our next visit. Or maybe you'll be on my podcast. Oh, that would be That'd be fun. We just change chairs. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the same reel. Fantastic. And now it's... Yeah, I should be some other sort of... Gu- I should be goulash. Goulash. Goulash, goulash podcast. <laughs> now you're listening to goulash. You just listened to Succotash. <laughs> and I can have my brother do your theme song. Yeah. Does he? <laughs> He's okay. not a musician. But, All right. Yeah. But he loves Bruce Springsteen. I don't know what that means anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, let's uh, mm-hmm. give a listen to uh, a, a show out of Los Angeles called The Green Room. Uh, this is a guy originally from Pennsylvania. He's been in L.A. for uh, the last six years and has been hosting this uh, this show. Um, he's been on National Lampoon Radio. Uh, he shot a pilot for Spike TV. His name's Sean Green. Uh, he's a regular on Comedy Nation. I'm not sure what Comedy Nation is, but he is a regular Fantastic. on it. Uh, and uh, here he's got a uh, guest comedian, uh, Cornell Reed. And I think his sidekick, Logan, I'm not sure what Logan's last name is, but uh, let's give a listen to uh, The Green Room with Sean Green. Tom Brady got picked in the sixth round and has obviously become a great quarterback. So this is Tom Brady remembering what it was like the day of the draft. You know, he thought he was going to go second round. He's hanging around. He's with his family. Second round, third round. You're starting to realize, oh, my God, maybe I'm not going to get drafted. And this is Tom Brady remembering it. Poor guy, and the tension in the house is, is just really rough. Uh, that's his dad describing the tension's really rough. And, and it was hard. <laughs> I remember taking a walk with my dad and mom around the block. This is Tom. <laughs> is he crying? Wait for it. <laughs> it was just a tough take. No? I love guys apologizing for crying. Oh, I man. just remember being there with my mom and dad. <laughs> He's won Super Bowls. <laughs> Sorry about that. Like, why do you apologize for crying? You just make yourself look like more of a pussy. Just let it out. Have a healthy man cry. I think every time an athlete has cried, you've played it on the right. show. It's so great, though. It is funny. It's always funny. Yeah, I, mean, I feel a- like somehow if he didn't apologize, you'd still play it on here. <laughs> Oh, he's Tom Brady. He's on. Uh, it's great to hear him cry. He's on the Patriots. Yeah, you don't hear me. The best life ever. Oh man, it'd be no, great if he Reggie... would just wail. You know. I <laughs> <laughs> hated it. They always do. Yeah, it's always the half cry where they don't fully commit. 
It's just it's just hilarious to see football players cry. It's never not going to be funny. Exactly. You know, they just were so supportive of me. And, uh, and they take it as emotional as I do. And, uh, you know, finally when the Patriots called, I was so excited. You know, I was like, <laughs> I don't have to be an insurance salesman, you know? <laughs> First wow, off, what a yeah, dork. fuck you insurance salesman. <laughs> yeah, when did when did insurance salesmen become the new uh, working at McDonald's? Like I feel like you hear yeah, like that's the default. You, you hear everyone go, well, you know, I, I just decided I'm not going to be an insurance salesman. I'm going to follow my dreams. They like everyone shits on the insurance industry. <laughs> Meanwhile, these guys are probably pulling down 50, 60 k a year. Nice 401 benefits package. They're putting down payments on house. You know whose houses didn't get repossessed? Probably insurance salesmen. They're probably doing all right in this academy. But it's just become like, yeah, last thing I ever want to do with my life is be an insurance salesman. Right. Those guys usually do pretty good for themselves. Right, Am right. I wrong? All right. Uh, green Room with Sean Green. And uh, as Dana mentioned, that one was recorded well. That good audio quality. I was nice. green with envy. Um, I forgot to mention uh, back at Mark Pitta's podcast, you can catch that on pittapodcast.libsyn.com or go to iTunes. Mm-hmm. All these things are on iTunes. I don't even know why I mentioned their websites, but and I was on Pitta's podcast, but I was not near as funny as I've been today so far. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, <laughs> Sean Green is at seantgreen.com, also at iTunes. Um, we were talking about Edge uh, a little bit ago, and um, th- then we got into a discussion about uh, how you can tell. Uh, how the presidential election is going to go by how the reaction to your jokes go mm-hmm. in your yeah. corporate gigs. Yeah, especially because that's the, you know, that's there's a lot of power. These are not all left or right corporations. You know, some are sure. Silicon Valley corporations, but they, you know, they give a lot of money. They have a lot of sway. And they were, I could tell in 08 that they were going to go for Obama. Now, in the last two years, they were still heavy. And then they went quiet on Obama, not negative, but just neutral. Okay. So I'm doing one in Florida for uh, SAP tomorrow, and I will probably by Tuesday morning I'll know who will be president in 2012. So maybe I'll come back on and tell everybody. Wow, very exciting! It's kind of weird just to know. Yeah, you're kind of like that. Wasn't it an octopus? They had an octopus choosing the election the last time. Paul the octopus. Yeah, or something? and yeah. the gopher comes out of the hole. Whatever, you know, it's all that, and mermaids too, <laughs> and the professor too. I'm saying, hey. Hello, friends. Bill Haywatt here for Henderson's Massagepedic Trousers. You know, after a hard day of announcing here at Studio P, there's nothing I like more than to come home to a refreshing interlude with my Henderson's Massagepedic Trousers. Henderson's Massagepedic Trousers are perfect for men and women who, like me, have a job that requires spending long hours on your feet or on your knees. Henderson's Massagepedic Trousers gently massage and stimulate even those hard-to-reach places, providing comfort and release to thighs, calves, ankles, buttocks, and crotchal areas, even as you eat. If you're like me, after an hour or two with Henderson's Massagepedic Trousers, you'll be raring to go and ready for more. And when you start your day with Henderson's Massagepedic Trousers, you're always sure to end it with a happy ending. Henderson's Massagepedic Trousers, made with pride by the same fine folks who brought you the functional breakaway trousers and the ever-so-stylish turtleneck slacks. And they're made with the same fabric that covers official U.S. government restraining tables the world over. Henderson's Massagepedic Trousers, available online and wherever fine pantaloons are sold. And now, back to more of Succotash. 
All right, man. I am glad to see that the Henderson's folks are still uh, sticking by their uh, commitment to sponsor Succotash. Fantastic. The switchboard's lighting up. This is the first time we've taken calls. First time we've had a guest. First time we've taken calls. Uh, let's just go. We don't have a screener, so let's just go to the phones. Uh, hello. Uh, thanks for calling Succotash. Hello. Hello. Is this Marcos, Sean? Uh, yes, it is. Who's uh, who's calling, please? Well, this is Paul McCartney. Oh, oh, no last names, please. No last names. Um, this is Paul. Oh, Paul. Hey. Wow. Uh, wow. That's fantastic. Uh, th- thanks for calling. Um, uh, I assume you've heard the show. Yeah, you know, I've always been a fan of Suckers Hash Podcast, you know. He's got all the funny willies, you know, and the Henderson pants, which I'm wearing right now. <laughs> That's fantastic. Which, yeah, oh, very, very, you know, they're fitting very comfortably from me bunghole <laughs> to me forwardy. parts. Well, that's great. I'm glad to have you on the line. Were you were you in England during the uh, the royal wedding, I have to assume? Yes, I was. I was there. It was a great, you know, occasion, you know. The queen was all yellow. The prince was all red. And the, the middleton was all white. I'm talking about Pippa. She stole the show, the little whore. <laughs> you know, you never have your hoary sister, you know, holding up your dress from behind with her low cutter. You know, it's it. He's leaning forward. You want all the eyes on you with your princey prince in his all ready readies. But she's back there with it. It is forward. It's a big steely wheelie. <laughs> now, now you must have, uh, it must have kind of given you a little bit of a sort of portent of things to come, because I understand you've recently gotten engaged yourself. Yeah, I got a little hooky-wooky, you know. I found a nice little lady, you know. Nancy, you know, she's a nice little gal. And she likes, you know, to yank on me willy when we asked her. I wish I hadn't have said that. Me internal voice got out. Well, Happened that, to John once in Tokyo. <laughs> that can that can happen. Um, uh, let, let me ask this. I mean, it's probably a sensitive area, but uh, Nancy, you um, prenup? Just just a suggestion or a question? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, I gave her own account, you know, and we are locked it in a lockbox, as Al Gore would say. So, sure, and sure, if there's a problem with the marriage. She'll get $1,900 cash <laughs> right away, paid straight away into her account, you know, 1900 It took a while to negotiate. She started at $50 million. I started at $5 and a <laughs> stick of gum. After six months, we got it at $19 in a full pack. <laughs> we'll be happily married. It sounds like it'll be very happy indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, what uh, what else have you been up to? Is there any uh, any new music uh, coming our way from from Paul McCartney? Yeah, so you know I'm doing sort of a bookend song. You know the album. You know uh, why do we need silly love songs? You know. Oh yeah. Yeah, so it's a song about you know why do we need a mastivosti? You know, and so I'm just going blue because I can. I don't know why. I apologize. Anyway, <laughs> I did hum a song the other day. Do, 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 do. You know, it's called being empty. You know, there's nobody there. I'd rather pull back to the 60s, you know. I mean, what do you fucking people want? I've got a hundred fucking classics, and they go, where's your new stuff? Well, how about Elder Rigby, you fucking whore? You know, how about Sgt. Pepper? But what's your new stuff? Well, where's your new stuff, you bitch? You know, what do they want from me? I created the greatest music ever written, and they say, what's your new song? Well, here's your new song right here. And for those of you who are not watching, I'm grabbing me Willy Wonka on the podcast, and I'm squeezing quite hardly. You know, it's now become a personal vendetta. So I squeeze my Willy when they ask me, and I say, see the white album. <laughs> Paul McCartney opening up on Succotash. 
much. Paul, thanks thanks for so much for calling. No last names, please. <laughs> oh, sorry. Right. Paul. Sir Sir Paul. Thanks. All right. Thanks well, for Well, thank you. And good luck on po- this podcast is much better than After Hours with Mark Pizza. <laughs> the following preview has been approved for all audiences by the Podcast Association of America. Come here, Wheezy. Good girl. Lay down, go to sleep. I'm sorry I don't have any more treats for you, Wheezy. When I get famous, you're going to have all the rawhide bones you want. The good kind, too, with the jerky in the middle. Sometimes, the whole world is against you. Excuse me, do you have this in brown and a uh, different size and uh, also on sale? You assault another customer, you fired, Hambo. And so the midget hooker says to Arnold Schwarzenegger, that was the one with the roofie. Boo! You suck! Sometimes, the only thing that keeps you going is the fear of failure. You know, everyone thinks your podcast ain't no good. Yo, people saying you choked on the monologue again. That podcast is never going to put dog food in Wheezy's bowl, Brett. You ever feel like the whole world is against you? One man, one episode, one shot at making the best comedy podcast ever recorded. If I don't get more than 200 downloads on this one, I'm out. Sometimes... All that stands between you and greatness is a microphone. Hey, Brett, the intro music's almost over. You gotta start the podcast. Brett Hamill stars in Ham Radio with Brett Hamill, the movie. Based on the podcast, Ham Radio with Brett Hamill by Brett Hamill. The color remains. All right, let's go get him. This is Succotash, and I'm your host, Mark Hershon, here with my guest co-host, Dana Carvey. Well, what I, what I was talking about recently is the, the, the uh, tidal wave, because I don't want to say tsunami, yes. to offend, of uh, comedy motifs, uh, starting with Charlie Sheen, and then Donald Trump birther, yeah. and then the, the capture and kill of Osama bin Laden. So it was almost like your head was exploding, you know. <laughs> so with Sheen, first there was, you know, always crazies on drugs, and then he has his fans and he's touring. But I realized that he is the anti-Oprah. He is the anti-spiritual, the anti-Deepak Chopra. Because he's saying, we're probably this is all we got. Hedonism is fine. We're From the neck down, we're just animals. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. snort it, suck it, fuck it. Um, and ego, don't don't be this pretend not to have an ego so it's totally the opposite yeah. of buddhism or zen it's 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 hedonism suck fucking eat it and i'm the greatest thing that's ever happened on the planet um so i figured if they got a spiritual person with them you know you think that deepak chopra would be with you know counseling with <laughs> charlie sheen you think that still it would be great if you would possibly learn to sit quietly and pray for, for pray to your God. And she would interrupt. Let me get this straight. I'm on my private jet, snorting a 10-ounce rock, spanking a porn star, and you want me to pray for what? <laughs> <laughs> You've got to point. This private jet, would it be a Citation 10 or would it be sort of a Gulfstream situation? 
uh, usually a golf stream. And this rock would be a pure crack cocaine rock. You would snort in one, yeah, a pure 10 ouncer. And this porn <laughs> star would be sort of light skinned with a sort of plump, hot shaped ass that you would jiggle when you spank it. Yeah. Well, um, when you turn in next, perhaps I could take along briefly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, up next, we have uh, What Duvet Said. This is a show uh, with Jason Duplissy and Rob Chelly. As it says on their website, working through the issues of the day, often to the point of futility. Uh, these are a couple of buddies originally from San Francisco. Although, um, as far as I can tell, Jason now lives in L.A., Rob still lives in the city by the bay, and they I guess they use Skype, and they chat about showbiz stuff mostly, uh, like movies and TV shows. Uh, Rob Chelly also does a lot about music. Um, they're both huge fans of Survivor and weirdly Make It or Break It, a show about girls' gymnastics on ABC Family, but not in a creepy way. Uh, not really, seriously. Uh, they periodically go off on a rant on their show, which they call The, the Snark Tank. And recently, they actually had an uh, entire Snark Tank recap show. So here's a taste of what Duvet said. Are we heading into the Snark Tank this week? Oh, well, why not? I have a, I have a, I have a tiny bit of chum. All right. Well, here we are then. Let me get my... You know how I like to suit up for this, Jason. I do. I know. I do. I know. Get Sounds my central. flippers on. You never know. You might have to get out of, get out of the way of an 18-foot-long Snark Farewell and adieu to you, fair Spanish ladies. <laughs> um, all right, so here's my bit for the Snark Tank this week. It is the term party like a rock star. <laughs> okay. And I cannot tell you how over this term I am, especially because it is always delivered by people who know nothing about partying like a rock star, who couldn't even comprehend how a rock star might party. And let me tell you something. Unless these people are like mainlining, you know, speed and heroin and gobbling up pills and chasing it back with, you know, Brandy Alexanders, just because you went to Vegas and stayed up past midnight moms and dads does not make you a rock star because you do well on a project at work does not make you a rock star. What makes you a rock star is sleeping in a bus for two months and playing shows with limited sleep, with a hangover the size of Texas. That is what makes somebody a rock star. What makes somebody a rock star is playing in an arena for thousands and thousands of people. That is what makes you a rock star, not Simply picking your kids up from school on time after running other errands and chores. That does not make you a rock star. Jason, please tell me, is it me or is it <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to say that perhaps sometime in your past, you rocked like a rock star and now it bothers you. I don't know. It is them. I agree. It's a phrase. It, there's a, another YouTube video rolling around or was being passed around for a little bit. Uh, uh -huh. I don't know if you've seen it. It's this little cartoon where uh, two cartoon people talk to each other. And it's called something like I'm a tea partier. And the, the one person explains being a tea partier and the other one is sort of the debater about what things they're saying. And it goes back and forth. And I the, don't know. I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The debater says, uh, it feels like you're just saying things. Words have meanings. 
uh, which I thought I think is a really spectacular thing to say, which I thought really nailed it on the head that words have meanings. There, there are things that people say that specifically address other things, you know, like an apple is called an apple and we all agree on it. And the phrase partying like a rock star actually has a meaning if it actually applies to partying like a rock star, you know? So to say mm -hmm. something which doesn't have anything to do with what you're saying, just to say it, doesn't have any meaning. And so much of what people say now doesn't have any meaning. Well, you, it, it, it trickles down to, oh, my God, we got rock star parking. Let me tell you something, folks. Rock star parking is not ever having the park. You simply get dropped, dropped off in a stretch limousine. I live across the street from a rock star. And Trey Cool has never parked a car a day in his life in my neighborhood because if he did, he wouldn't be living here because it would drive him fucking crazy. <laughs> Spoken like a rock star. Excellent. <laughs> Good snark this week. Why don't we uh, head on out of the tank and wrap it up. Another exciting week here in the WDS podcast. That is What Duvet Said. You can find that at whatduvetsaid.com, also on iTunes. And I was actually turned on to what Duvet said by uh, Phil Lairness from over at Chill Pack Hollywood Hour, another fine, fine podcast. He and Dean Hagland host a weekly podcast about things going on in and around Hollywood. They also have a brand new documentary that they've shot called The Truth is Out There. It's about conspiracy theory uh, or theories, and uh, their U.S. debut is coming up this week in San Jose, California. And let me let them tell you about it, because maybe you can actually make it to the show. So when is this again? Let's. Uh, so it's Saturday, May twenty first. Uh, the screening is at seven o'clock. Yes. Uh, doors open at six. Tickets will be available same day, but only for one hour. Wow. Leading up to the show, they are available right now online. Yes. Exclusively for sale on one line through uh, our site. I would suggest that people just go to truth-is-outthere.com and click on attend the U.S. premiere, and that will lead them to the page where they can order tickets. Fantastic. Uh, it's uh, for, the, for the price of one ticket, you see the film. You get to uh, see your friends in podcasting, Phil Lernis and Dean Haglund, as well Hollywood as producer uh, Lyle Scozzi. After uh, an intermission and mingling, there will be a one-hour live podcast after uh, Won't that after be exciting? It will be exciting, and we'll have special guests as well. Really? So the Retrodome in San Jose, Saturday, May 21st. Please help us spread the word. That would be fantastic. Can't wait. I will be there, actually, to see that premiere, which will be very exciting. And I will probably interview Dean and Phil live and have it on a future episode of Succotash, which is nice. So, Dana, uh, what was it you were saying about Donald Trump? For a guy to come out with hair like that, that's, that's like, you know, six weeks and then the birther thing. So to me, Donald Trump, it just hit me one day. I said, he is a Batman villain. <laughs> he would, and if he was a Batman villain, they would call him Trump Card. You know, this is the modern Batman. Perfect. He, you listen to me, Trump Card. You played your last ace. How do I know that you're really Batman? <laughs> and they would call uh, his uh, his henchmen the apprentices. The apprentices. <laughs> yeah. And then Charlie Sheen, if he doesn't play the Joker in the next movie, call me Loose Cannon. <laughs> Loose Cannon, Trump Card. I've had enough out of you. <laughs> And then, of course, the, the trifecta was then Osama bin Laden getting captured. 
which if it had happened in 2001 or 2002, it really would have been dancing in the street. It would have been like 1945, the sailor. I mean, people would have been getting blown and sucked and fucked all, <laughs> all over Northern California. 2011, it was still, but it was 10 years later. <laughs> It'd be like capturing and killing Hitler in 1956. You know, Ed, Ed Sullivan's up there. Well, we got a really big show and we have to interrupt right now. To bring you this message, so don't worry. Popo is easy about in just a moment. Missy Gaynor's going to sing her hit song, I'll Never Leave You Again, for me. Tony Award-winning South Pacific musical right now. We'd like to announce that President Dwight D. Eisenhower has announced that he's captured and killed Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler is dead. Let's hear it for the dead Fuhrer, everybody. <laughs> and here's Elvis Presley coming out here. He's going to sing Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog. Elvis, what do you think about Hitler being dead 11 years after the end of World War II? Uh, I never liked Hitler. I never liked anything about him. I had a funny little mustache. He's kind of, I ain't too exciting. It's happened 11 years later. I'm sure glad he's gone. Well, why do you hate Hitler so much? My manager's the colonel. He served in World War II. He sure did want to get that Hitler fellow. And do you think that uh, <laughs> Harry S. Truman, the president who started the apparatus to go after Adolf Hitler, deserves any credit? I got to say, it's all Eisenhower. I, I, I think I think Truman, no, I don't think he should get any credit. If you don't mind, I'd like to now have a Purgadam sandwich and bathe myself in oil before I come out again. So <laughs> I don't know where that went. It's a kid's show. I love it. I anyway, love it. I, I never thought, just to interject here about because it, it's all, there's Edge and then there's the Hack Police. Yeah. I never thought I would do an Ed Sullivan impression <laughs> again in my life. But when it occurred to me, 1986, okay, I can do uh, it. And you hear, heard it here first on Suck It um, hey, you know what? Let's jump to, because we've been talking about Obama and whatnot, let's uh, jump to a David, the little bit from David Feldman's show, if we can, which is, mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's uh, the kickoff of President Obama's new political campaign, A New Morning in America. I'm Barack Obama. I approve this message and ask for your vote. It's morning again in America. Today, more men and women will wake up than ever before in our nation's history to unemployment rates three-tenths of a percentage point off record highs not seen since the Great Depression. A child wakes up to hot breakfast on the table because her mom and dad's unemployment benefits have been extended six more months. Next door, a dad leaves for the furniture factory because his union wisely accepted the necessary rollbacks to compete in a global economy. Nearly 2,000 families today will get to stay in their homes because the bank can't find their original loan documents. This afternoon, 6,500 young couples will walk down the aisle. Three or four of those weddings will be to same-sex couples whose marriages are recognized in nearly six states, more than at any time in our nation's history. And with our national debt at its highest level ever, they can look forward to the future with confidence, knowing mathematically speaking, things can't possibly get any worse. And if things do get worse, it won't be worse by that much, mathematically speaking. It's morning again in America. And under the leadership of President Obama, things are a little bit better. I'm Barack Obama. I approve this message and ask for your vote. 
All right, that's the David Feldman Comedy Show. And uh, you can find that at davidfeldmancomedy.com, also on iTunes. So so I want it'd be funny to just kind of hear what a couple of guys who aren't around anymore uh, would think about the podcast phenomenon. Just ha- have them talking sort of intelligently about it as if they did. So Classic, classic superstar movie stars from the 20th, early, mid-20th century. Yeah, like uh, uh, Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart. Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart discussing po- podcasts. Podcast, yeah. I don't know, Jimmy. Have you heard about what they're doing now? Yeah, they, they, do, they do a thing called a podcast, right? Yeah, and they recorded it exactly like the radio. Well, well, the way I understand it, it's not exactly like the radio because it's, it's, it's recorded with a computer, and then you, you, you do a thing called download it, and you listen to it later. Well, I don't understand. Why do you have to download it? On the radio, you just turn the dial and you listen to the, to the song. I don't like this podcast. I don't like the idea of it. Well, why, why, why do you have to hate it? Why, 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 why do you hate on it? it radio still is, exists. It's just, it, it's, it, it's adjunctal. It's adjunctal. Adjunctal. Isn't that some sort of device you use to make your penis stable when you're doing athletic events? Have you worn your adjunctal today, Wilbur? You don't want your junk flying all over the place when you're trying to play rugby. Well, no, I, I just meant it was similar. It was, it was like radio, but it, it, was, it, was, it was sort of just a little slightly different. Well, slightly different, that's how you seem. <laughs> this is the least heterosexual you've ever seemed in your life. I don't care if you're homosexual, but you do appear to be homosexual. <laughs> well, first of all, that's insane. You know, you're, 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 you're homophobic, you, you hate the future. You're stuck in your ways, and you think adjunctal is something to keep your cock in place. What the fuck is wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with me than a sock in your ass wouldn't kill. I will take you apart, and I'm not afraid to do it. Uh, well, yeah, there you thank go. You. Yeah, there's Sorry. nothing funnier than Jimmy Stewart saying the word fuck. I don't know why that makes me laugh Well, it so was much. good. I waited for it. I waited for you it. You did. I waited for it. Then he got yeah, mad. Great. But yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, this last week was uh, would have been George Carlin's 70th birthday. And I thought it'd be nice to play a little something from Kelly Carlin, his daughter. She has a podcast called Waking from the American Dream. And she uh, took a few moments to talk about going through some of her dad's stuff which I thought was interesting considering one of his most famous bits was called Stuff. In fact, an album was called Stuff, I believe. And uh, so uh, let's give a listen to this and uh, think fondly of uh, the late George Carlin. Uh, it's, it's been on my mind a lot lately because I'm starting to go through my dad's archive of stuff. And my dad uh, was OCD and kept everything. <laughs> just want to let you people know that I have footlockers. I have nine footlockers of career memorabilia of my father's. And I opened one the other day and uh, there was three scrapbooks, two of which my mother had made from like 19, late 1961, right after they were married uh, through like 1965. And I'm looking at the pages and it's just, you know, sweet little old scrapbook. And it's like anytime my dad was mentioned in any kind of a thing, my mom would cut it out carefully with the little title and the date and so beautifully done. And then I find this envelope and it's in my dad's handwriting and it says the date on it, which I think was like 5-22-62. And then it, all it says on it is the Tonight Show. And I'm like, wow, I wonder what this is. So I open up the envelope 
And it's my dad's set list from the very first Tonight Show that he was on with Jack Parr. And uh, it's not like a normal set list. It doesn't just like list things. I mean, he's got like little bits kind of like phrases or sentences and stuff. And then I turn it over and on the back he has written a note about what this note is, you know, this is the, this is the material I did. Um, I, I worried about it all day. I reworked it many, many times. Uh, uh, it, uh, it, it, it went, uh, it, after all of that, it went really, really well. Definitely the most important day of my professional life. Thanks God, exclamation point, <laughs> George Carlin. <laughs> It's incredible. I was like, I felt like I was having a Smithsonian moment. Uh, so uh, I, I don't know what I'm talking about today, but but it's just it's incredible to 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 have been a part of this life that my dad had, and to, to be an observer of it, and a witness, and a semi participant in it. I mean, a big participant in it in some ways, but also not. And and now to be the keeper of this legacy. Um, it's just unreal. It's just unreal. And then all at the same time, trying to figure out who the fuck I am and what I'm here to say and do on the planet and get ready for my show today. You know, typical day in Hollywood is what this is. All right. Kelly Carlin, daughter of George Carlin. She's uh, got her own show called Waking from the American Dream. It's at NewDissidentRadio.com. You can also get it, of course, from iTunes. That brings us up to uh, our last piece uh, this week, which is from WTF with Mark Marin, uh, one of the best podcasts around, really. And especially this last week, talking about George Carlin, he went up to Santa Barbara and sat with Jonathan Winters for an interview. Jonathan Winters is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite comedian. So it was quite a treat. And in this little uh, snippet of their conversation, uh, Jonathan is talking about first starting out in radio in Dayton, Ohio, his very first on-air job after winning a watch at a talent contest in Dayton. What do, you want? What do I do? Just a time and temperature. That's all you have to do. Time and temperature. <laughs> Tell the time, temperature, and put on that call and fill out the log. I see. About the third day. Yeah. I started to interview myself. Yeah. There weren't any guests coming into Dayton, Ohio, 6 o'clock in the morning, about yeah. any importance. So I said, uh, here's uh, Sir Edmund Bygraves, who's flown a secret aircraft in the right field and was kind enough to contact me. I don't know how, sir. Um, but welcome. Yeah, I have a couple of donuts and hot cocoa and... And uh, what was your flight like? It was very treacherous. It was uh, we had a tremendous amount of turbulence, and of course, flying a secret aircraft, I had reason to believe that I was being followed by Russians or, or Chinese, and I wasn't. As a matter of fact, I wasn't followed by no one except some birds, uh, white birds, uh, seagulls, I think, not pelicans. <laughs> And then, well, tell us, uh, when you flew over Dayton at night, I thought that description before you came on the microphone was, was, was different. What was Dayton, Ohio like at night? Dayton, Ohio. You know, I've flown over Rome and Paris, Kenya, Singapore, Shanghai, <laughs> and uh, parts of Arabia. You know, flying over Dayton is like flying over... Tremendous black velvet carpet. 
little diamonds over it. Is that what was flying over David's life? Yeah. I've seen the switchboard light up. We got a thousand calls in an hour. Who is this clown? Yeah. I'd fly. Well, then the manager of the station came up, a man called Art Carnes, and uh, he said, Who the hell are you interviewing? I told you time and temperature. And I said, I'm interviewing myself. Get over it. <laughs> Just play that cold. No more, no more guess. <laughs> well, then, of course, I did try some more guess. Yeah. And that was the end of that career there. You had to, though, right? I had to. Yeah. It and, felt uh, too good, right? It felt good. I did a year there. Then I went to Columbus, Ohio, for... You liked the radio, though, right? Do so you think yeah. that helped you with the... Because when I was on radio, you got a lot of freedom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just and you it, and the mic. It, well, it's an imagination, too. Yeah. You get to play people, and you wonder what the guy looks like. Who is he talking to? And uh, radio... I grew up with Jack Armstrong, and, uh, and we all, I mean, at 85, you can imagine it was Jack Armstrong, Don Winslow of the Navy, um, the Mummers, uh, Orphan Annie, uh, Amos and Andy. All we, in your head. Yeah, and I, I loved radio. I still do, um, because uh, uh, it's a chance, again, as I say, in repetition, but to use your imagination of what's going on. But especially when you're seeing or listening to the guys doing stand-up. I said something in my book, which has, of course, endeared me to writers. I write. Sometimes it gets a little sensitive, and I said, the greatest contribution of sitcom writers on television is canned laughter. Ooh, boy, that makes a lot of enemies. <laughs> uh, but it's true. I mean, I, I was told over my career, look, if it doesn't work, we'll sweeten it. Meaning, canned laughter. Um, just get back to the lines, Winters, okay? Yeah, your stuff is a little further out. Maybe a little too smart for the room. Yeah, especially this one. All right. Uh, welcome back to uh, Succotash. I'm your host, Mark Hershon. My guest uh, has been uh, Dana Carvey. And uh, hey, do you have anything to plug? <laughs> when does this? Uh, when does this online? When is this? This will be on this next week. We'll uh, have okay. this on. Okay. Well, I'll be on Conan May 26, doing all these bits except in a PG version. <laughs> you know, I'll be the Paul McCartney. What the heck do you want? Um, so I'll be on Conan, and then, you know, then the parade just goes from there. But it's been a pleasure to be here on Succotash Podcast, which my brother Scott Carvey wrote the theme song. That's right. That's right. And I'm hoping by next week we may actually have a, a new song by Scott to feature on the show. Oh, he's got a lot of funny songs, too. Yeah. He's a funny guy. Yeah, he's a funny man. Well, thanks again for being the very first uh, Succotash guest. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I'll spread the word around. Maybe we can get Mark Pitta in oh, here. Wouldn't that be sweet, get Pitta on here? <laughs> this is, uh, I can't even what are you doing? Yeah, that's my Mark Pitta alright anyway. until next uh, next episode uh, I've been Mark Hirsch on your host please remember to pass the succotash <laughs> <laughs> I love it goodbye everybody goodbye you've been listening to succotash the number one comedy podcast about comedy podcasts with your host Mark Hirschon 
and special guest host, Dana Carvey. Find Succotash on the web at SuccotashShow.com. Follow Succotash on Twitter at Succotash Show. Friend Succotash on Facebook. Email Succotash at M-A-R-C at SuccotashShow.com. Or just touch Succotash at your local supermarket. Succotash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino at Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. And until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you, Tama ir wao davuda now full gajupta.